Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. You're tuned in to Queering the Air on 3CR Community Radio. Thanks to Encyclopedia for the previous hour. Um, I'm Iris and I'm co-hosting today with Tracy. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Good to be here. Yeah, it's good to see you. Um, I'd just like to start off with an acknowledgement of country first, that we're broadcasting over stolen land, and this land is not ceded by Indigenous peoples, the hundreds of nations that own this land, um, and genocide is ongoing and continuing, as well as colonisation. I'd like to pay my respects to Elders past, present and future, and acknowledge any Indigenous listeners tuning in today. Um, today we're just going to be talking about some news items and playing some music in the first half of the show, and in the second half we're going to be talking to Logan, Logan Musha, a filmmaker, also has covers a lot of environmental and social justice stuff in um, films, so that'll be an interesting discussion later in the show. Yeah. So I have a, my my first news item is on. I guess something that really dis- disappointing to happen. It's on um, Tanya George, who's been dubbed Busking Becky. Um, there's for some context. On Monday, there was a snap action against Black Deaths in Custody that came out of a weekend looking at the legacy of the late Rajri warrior Ray Jackson. These state murders are a part of genocide and this colonial nation state is rotten to the core and the cops enforce everything. And if you haven't heard... The racist deaths of, of hundreds of 400 Aboriginal people in custody since the Royal Commission um, around 1990. You should really look up um, some recent high-profile ones, including Wayne Fowler, Morris, Wayne Fowler Morrison and Tanya Day, that are in the news at the moment. Um, they're pretty shocking cases. And fortunately, there was a snap action on Indigenous deaths in custody um, at Burke Street Mall on Monday, and... There was a busket. I was I was in attendance at the protest um, in support um, as um, a white non-Indigenous person supporting the protest. And this busker just wanted to drown out the protest and tell um, the people listening to her that the protest deserved to be ignored. And she was really upset the protest was there and it was all about herself. Um, and she just wanted to arrogantly ignore and drown out the protest instead of listening to anything. So it was, um, it really was a time with her. It really was disappointing. But out of that, we've seen um, some things come out of that in terms of, there has been some news articles written on busking Bucky, um, Becky, <laughs> busking Becky Latoya Rule, who was one of the, Indigenous organisers um, of that rally has written on that in, the, in 10, da- 10 Daily, so check out that article. Um, there's a lot on social media about it. I definitely recommend people check that out. And as well as that, there's Latoya, Le- who is at the Ray Jackson um, sort of event on the weekend in conjunction with 
um, as part of the worries of the Aboriginal resistance, is calling for people to fund, to put their money to an International Indigenous Peoples March fund for next year. Mm. Because she and some other Aboriginal activists against deaths in custody are calling for people in communities to support um, a donation of funds so that they can go to the Indigenous Peoples March 2019 in late January. Um, it'll be a big march next year in March. And, yeah, it it is time that we do every, we just do all that we can to raise these issues and build movements towards ending Aboriginal deaths in custody and stopping the genocide and demanding justice. And I'll post that link to that fundraiser on the page at some point. Um, yeah, so that was that. What I think you had, you wanted to talk about some other concerning developments, not in terms of Busker, in terms of some far right um, activity. Yeah. Tracy. Yeah. So um, last weekend there was a festival that was happening at uh, the Federation Square, and um, it was really cool. It was a multicultural festival. Um, everyone was welcome, and everything went well, right? So, but during the week, we noticed there was like this post that was going around viral. So this guy by the names of Nelly Erickson. Is it on Facebook? So, yeah, Neil Erickson, a like yeah. notorious far-right figure. Yeah. Um, the white far-right man. Mm, it I, causes a lot of... Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, so he's been like... He took photos with black people and posted it all over Facebook saying, oh, the Apex Festival and things like that. Um, I think it's really sad. It's It's alarming. It's 2018. Like, to be really honest, like, fix your heart, you know. So, yeah, that's what I noticed. And that's what happened last weekend. So, yeah. What's been going on? Yeah, that's, yeah, it's really concerning to have um, these figures just intimidating um, different communities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you've said it so well. Mm. Yeah. It's so sad that um, he's trying to, I don't know what his motive is, but, you know, trying to kill the community or that, yeah, that people are trying to build. I mean, yeah. But apparently he's, he's a police case right now. Like he's, he's in court and yeah, well, that's, that's what's going on. So I'd like to thank, you know, the police for doing what well, they can. Yeah, but I wouldn't necessarily thank the police because the police, they're constantly putting up these posts that, like, they never call to appearance, like, white people when white people make crimes. And yet mm. when... And we know, like, um, crimes, like, happen across different communities, but it's always, like, this racist focus on people, particularly black people, mm. and the police are part of this... Um, sort of racist moral panic. So, yeah, like the police will, like, there is, like, stuff before the courts that Neil Erickson is doing, but mm. the police are, like, systemically a part of the 
a big part of the problem, I would oh, suggest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. Um. So what did you want to ask? Anything else? You had a thing earlier. Um, not much, but that was like my concern, like for the rest of the week. I mean, I know racist. Um, racist people and um, racism keeps going on and on but it's just really sad to actually see somebody devote their life or um, their time to try and spread hate it's wow it's I, I don't know how to word it yeah yeah um, yeah it's pretty messed up um, and um, just a language warning for this next track I'm going to play. Mm. It's Clumsy Love by Thelma Plum. And you're listening to Queer on 3CR Community Radio. I'm Iris, and um, that last track was the opener by Camp Cope, and um, the previous track before that was... Clumsy Love by Thelma Plum, and then it was, and I forgot to announce the first bracket, which was Every Love Kush by K8, and then followed by Habits with Shame and Desire. Yes, participate in that survey. Um, I'm Iris, and this is Queering the Air. I'm co-hosting with Tracy, and we're joining the studio now with Logan Musha. Yeah. Thanks for having me. (laughs) It's been a long time Mm. planning this. Is it? Oh, finally! <laughs> Big expectations. Yeah. So yeah, Logan's a filmmaker and video artist, with her focus also in social justice, environmental justice, and human rights. Yeah, I believe you're an activist too. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I wouldn't consider myself an activist. No. No, but I, f- I suppose all the films I make are quite activist-driven. Mm, mm. I think I'm quite intrigued by activists. I make yeah. a lot of film about activists, mm. um, but I don't think I'm brave enough to be an activist myself. Okay. <laughs> hmm. And uh, just because I left that before the previous track, but was poetry by text by Alice Sky. Yeah. Um. How did you get into filmmaking? Uh, I'm not too sure, really. I started a long time ago. I think um, I was studying engineering for a while at Melbourne Uni and uh, always loved films, always wanted to do something a bit creative. And so I thought while I was young, I should give it a go and see if I could make a career out of it. And so stopped studying engineering, went to film school, and that's going to be my life for the last 10 years, just uh, making films. And, yeah, just kind of just went for it, really. Wow. <laughs> You know what? I've seen your movie, the latest one. Oh, my God. What's the latest movie? Well, tell us about it. So the latest uh, film, short film I just finished is called We're All In This Together. Mm. Um, And it's just a a kind of experimental documentary about the stories of five uh, queer people in Melbourne, four elders and one other person. Mm. Um, And then we got young actors to kind of come in and play play their roles and play their characters just for a way for young people to engage with uh, queer history. Yeah. So how did it go for you? It was great. So we had a little launch a few weeks ago and uh, you were there, Tracy. Um, <laughs> so uh, can we, can we announce that so Tracy was one of the stories that was, uh, that I interviewed Tracy quite a while ago yeah. and um, your interview was, was turned into uh, one of the, the scripts, one of the actors to play. 
which was, I think, was one of the most uh, profound stories that we had out of the five. I'm so honoured, Logan. <laughs> like, yeah. Mm, what, Thank you. What was covered in your story, Tracy? Um, mainly my um, history back at home and what I've gone through here, through my um, immigration and settling in with Australia. It was mainly about, yeah, yes. about that and my queer side as well. Yeah, cool. How did you find um, that interview? It was... hmm, We were in Dandenong, right? We had an Indian lolly store. I I quite warmed up with Logan pretty easy. Um, Logan's very easy to talk to, so (laughs) it was so easy to do. Yeah. I I think I was holding back the tears, I think, in the middle of the the store. I know, right? (laughs) There's a couple yeah. hours we're sitting there and it was just, uh, yeah, your story was, was quite emotional, heartbreaking. It was very powerful. Um, but yeah, so was, there was that story and there was four others about queer history in mm. Melbourne, dating back from uh, somebody who was transgender in the, in the 60s, about the HIV crisis, mm. about gay liberation and about the tasty nightclub raids. Um, and so we had five young actors then come and perform those interviews. Oh, okay. You interviewed... Was a script for the Tasty Nightclub, like, where did you, did you come up that from other interviews of people or did Yeah, so every story research? in it was based on interviews I had with, uh, with people. Yeah. Um, and so that was uh, somebody I know called Sean Miller, who was part of the Tasty Nightclub raids. Um, and I'd heard him talk about it quite a few times before, but never in as much detail. I think it was a lot more shocking than I'd ever mm, read about it online. Yeah. Yeah, I guess for listeners that don't know, just off the top of my head, I think in 1990. Four, there was um, a nightclub raided by Victoria Police and oh, I forget what the pretext was for, but it was pretty shocking. Hundreds of people were pretty much like sexually assaulted by the state because of just searching people and it was really shocking. And a few re- recent years, Victoria Police has apologised and tried to distance itself from it and and there has been compensation of millions of dollars which is very necessary but we also know like um many people are still targeted by victoria police and that um it's still going on with different communities that are targeted and criminalized by victoria police probably a bit Mm. more not so um out in the public though probably not such a grand scale as it was back then (laughs) maybe not but in other ways it is because we're seeing like a rise of imprisonment and all of that doesn't get in the media but the stuff that's happening in prison and the new prisons being built are pretty shocking at the moment so it's pretty uneven what's happening Hmm. yeah um so we're getting onto that because you're interviewing yeah someone on that and then a script developed and you also were doing on gay liberation yep what was the other one? So it was Gay Liberation about the HIV crisis. The HIV crisis. Um, and so for the HIV crisis, I actually in- interviewed a nurse. Um, and so, you know, it was just kind of interesting to try and get a, a woman's perspective who was there on the front line of the, the nurses um, who went out and kind of did care when all the other nurses and all the other health organisations were too scared to send people. Um, so it was really fascinating having the story of someone who was just brave enough to kind of, I suppose, put their life on the line, not knowing what this disease was, and then just kind of their experience of just becoming close to so many people who contracted the disease and them kind of, I suppose, dying over time and losing those friends along the way. So that was kind of, you know, a different perspective that I was quite interested in for that story. Yeah. Hmm. What drove you to think of this movie? I think, because I suppose I've made a lot of queer, I'll make a lot of queer-related films. Um, oh, okay. Well, most of them are queer-related, but I think this this one particularly, I think, 
struck me just a while ago. I think I, there was a point when I heard about the Tasty Nightclub braids and I realised that I didn't know much about our local queer history in Melbourne. Mm. Like, And I asked some friends about, do you know about these nightclub braids? And nobody really knew about them. Um, and so I kind of realised that, you know, there's all this so much history. Like I know about Stonewall, I know about, you know, gay rights in the UK and the States, but I knew very little about what had happened in Australia. And I felt a bit, I, I, was, I, was, a bit, I was a bit embarrassed by how little I knew. And I think I kind of realised it was quite a big sentiment as well about other people in the community here. Like we all know about Mardi Gras and how that started in Sydney, but very little about what happened in Melbourne. Um, and so I just kind of wanted to use this project as a way to connect young people uh, with, you know, with our queer elders um, to try and connect them to our own history, to connect them to our stories. Um, just trying to get some kind of, I suppose, intergenerational, you know, communication and dialogue happening. And so I learnt a lot in the process. And I think all the actors who played all the characters... Um, as well had this kind of growth as well which is quite amazing even the one that play, played you which was <laughs> i'm still really excited to meet this person by the way i know she'll be but i think she's in san fran at the moment so uh make yeah. sure when she comes back that you two can hang out <laughs> so was was this movie particularly different from the ones you've made or is it Similar. Yeah, it's quite different because all my other stuff I usually do is documentaries. So uh, mm. one of our f- mutual friends, uh, Danny Weber, yeah. um, made a documentary about them for ABC earlier this year called Danny Boy about uh, yeah. you know that Danny being the drag king. But yeah. that all the docos I do are all quite observational. So I have what exists and I just get a camera and film it. Whereas this one I was deliberately finding actors and recreating mm. things. So this was a bit different for me working with actors and trying to find different ways to tell history and truth, I suppose. Yeah. Whereas most stuff I've done before is quite, you find something that's happening in the real world, find events that are happening, find real people and you film them. So this was a kind of a bit of a shift in what I normally do, which was fun. Yeah. Keeps it interesting. That's good. So do you like get, do you have like a team of people you work with or do you do it on your own? No, I definitely have have a big team. Um, It's a lot to do. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I've got a cinematographer and a sound recordist and a camera assistant. There's four of us. We kind of always work together on different projects. Yeah. And we kind of stick together. But then we just kind of bring on people and freelancers um, as we need them. So, you know, everything from runners to assistants to camera crew um, to editing to post. So it's quite a lot of people get involved in the film. Yeah. I think we had about a core crew of about 14 people for this film. Um, so most documentaries are usually quite small. You only need a few people. But this, because it was actors and there was lighting, there's a lot of things happening. It was a bit on a bigger scale, which is kind of cool. Yeah. A lot more fun. <laughs> so I'm thinking you have... What's next? Cool. What's next? Uh, that's a big question. Um, I've got some... I had some funding from Creative Victoria, okay. um, which is great. So I'm working... I've been, I did research and development on a new idea about climate change um, in Victoria. So I'm kind of working through that at the moment. So... That will be going to be taking me through the next few years of my uh, couple of years of my life, I think. So that's a big project. I'm starting that's to good. move into fiction, working with actors. Okay. Um, so that will probably take up my time quite a bit. Wow. This is fun. <laughs> yeah. Good on you. Mm. Um, yeah, considering um, your your documentary, um, Danny Boy, has come up a bit already, I was wondering how um, you got into making that and... Yeah, so I think it's only recently that I've seen a bunch of short films based in Nam Melbourne. Um, it was only, a, yeah, there hasn't been that much documentary of like a creative fiction films made locally. Um, 
So how did Danny Boy come about? Well, that came about, I think our funding bodies have been quite good recently, um, like from Screen Australia, Film Victoria. Um, they've, I think they've kind of quite, they've paid attention to the fact that there's a big gap for stories for queer people, um, stories based on women's, you know, stories of people with disabilities. I think they've realised that there's a big gap in stories that need to be told. Um, and so this was a particular funding that came out for Mardi Gras anniversary. They commissioned 10 short documentaries um, for a special program. And so they just wanted to do documentaries about artists. Um, and so I just kind of asked around. I didn't know Danny at that time. Um, I'd seen them a few times before. Um, I was just putting in contact with Danny through a mutual friend and we uh, just hit it off, really. Um, and then I kind of applied for the funding, got it through. And then, yeah, that was an amazing experience working with Danny, who's, um, so Danny's a, a, a drag king, um, and they did these amazing performances that are quite out there. And, um, you know, they're non-binary as well. And for me, I use documentary quite a lot as a way, I suppose, obviously, to try and teach and educate people. But for me, I learn so much as well through it because I'm not too, I keep using it as an excuse for me to meet people, for me to try and expand my knowledge and my, yeah. uh, you know, meet with different people so I just get different perspectives on things so working with Danny was amazing because I learned so much about the non-binary community what it means like I think I've always or, or, you know or always kind of theoretically understood it but actually spending a lot of time with someone I think you know it was a great educational process for me but um it was a fun film though but the film was quite out there exciting you know these are crazy performances that Danny's doing um balancing it with their home life as well seeing how that kind of works so that was yeah it was a cool project that one so um is there so much competition in this field? Like in film, I think yeah, there's a lot, a lot of people fighting for a lot, little bits of funding. Yeah. Um, I think it's you know you have your ups and downs. I think most people who work, who do filmmaking, do it because they love it, not because it's a, a sustainable career. And we don't, yeah. we're not exactly in it for the money. Um, I think we do it because it's our passion and our life. But it's it's quite competitive. You know, there's only X amount of funding and a lot of arts funding keeps getting mm-hmm. cuts every year. Um, yeah. And that kind of filters through to the films that are being made, which filters through to us and what we can do. Um, so it is it is extremely competitive, especially to make passion films like documentaries and fiction and things like that. So a lot of us have all got side jobs and side hustles on the go yeah. as well to yeah. keep us going on a day-to-day basis. Mm, fair enough. Mm. Wow. Yeah, um... What sort of films are available for people? I know Danny Boy is probably still on the ABC mm-hmm. side available for streaming. How do people... So you can just um, jump on um, jump on ABC iView. I can't remember the exact address, but you just uh, Google ABC iView. And I think there should be the whole Love Bites uh, program you can yeah. kind of click onto, which has got 10 amazing short documentaries from this wonderful, diverse community all across Australia. So there's some really good films in that one. And I think there's also some great fiction films that were commissioned... Uh, in New South Wales around the same time on SBS. Um, so I think there's a selection of about five or six short fiction films, which are quite good. Um, and there's bits and pieces every now and again that come along, but I think finding queer, local queer stories is, is quite hard. Um, yeah. I think it's only just yes. recently it's, it's become the broadcasters have started to be interested. Like, you know, we had riot commissions, I think, um, yeah. about, you know, Mardi Gras uh, was made. And, you know, there's been a few recently recent years but um it's been quite sparse before that mm. so unfortunately i think we need to do a bit more to try and get some more local australian queer stories told and make them a bit more accessible to people mm-hmm. yeah um i was at the trans and gender diverse film festival and they had a bunch of um more new films and 
I don't. I'm trying to think of a few of the lo- like the ones, the more made. Um, yeah, there was there was a documentary. I think that's available online. I think Trans Black's available online. Is it SBS or ABC? Um, that was one focusing a lot of um, sister girls and brother boys. And there was another one that I really um, liked. It wasn't like um, super, like didn't have like all the production of that one, but um, there's this film on Callan, who's who I know, and like as a performer in. Oh, Callan, Callan was yeah, in Danny Boy, a, yeah. <laughs> what was that? Callan was in Danny Boy, yeah. Was a little... Yeah, there was a film made on Callan. I thought it was a really good short film. Um, oh, she'd look at it. Yeah, do you have any. what? What other short film, like queer and trans films, made um, around here locally? Yeah, would you well, shout out to? As- I, w- I would shout out just I think to all the other Love Bites ones. Yeah. Um, that have been in ABC. Um, I think Vice did a good Australiana one about the about the Tiwi Islands, which was quite interesting. Um, about sister boys and brother girls. Um, but short ones, it's kind of hard to come around so rarely. But I think. Melbourne Queer Film Festival is coming up, so I'll probably be after that. Probably have a good Yay. new slate of uh, mm. films to talk about then, but a few and far in between, unfortunately. <laughs> so, do you have like um, a YouTube or? I have some... a Vimeo. Okay. A Vimeo, yes. Well, it's you... a bit more professional. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll need to follow that or. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, I think if you just uh, want to see some of my stuff, you go to vimeo.com forward slash. I think this is how it works. Logan Muka, which is M-U-C-H-A. Mm. Otherwise, you just go to my website, loganmuka.com. Um, I think you should have a bunch of my films up there as well. And then also a bunch of my ads as well. So I think that's what we were talking about before. It's just like um, I work in advertising as well. Make a few TV ads every now and again just to you know, get and pay the bills in between making yeah. passion projects. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I have personally watched The Danny Boy before, you know. I knew about all this, but I'm definitely going to follow the rest of them. <laughs> and how was it for you watching yourself in the film? Wow, I was like, you saw me. Um, I was impressed. I was shocked, impressed, all emotions at the same time. I, w- I was so nervous. You sat in there for three, it, went, it played for three times over and you didn't leave the room. I, I was know, like, <laughs> and I had a little boy and I was like, oh my God, Wow. How could he do this? <laughs> wow. So if you jump online, there's a little trailer for that on my Vimeo as well. So hopefully we'll, we'll, we've got some screens planned coming up soon as well. So hopefully we'll be able to share that um, a bit wider of the local audience as well, which would be nice in yeah. the new year. Mm, nice. Yeah. If um, you ever need me to participate in any of that, please let me know. I hear you're a budding actor. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> yes. so yeah. Yeah, um, and for anyone that's tuned in, you're tuned in to 3CR Community Radio 855am on your AM dial, streaming live at 3cr.org.au, um, digital and later on demand. I'm Iris and I'm here hosting this with Tracy and we're joined with Logan Musha and this 3CR show is queering yeah, I think I might have left that off. Um, A 3CR supporter. Um, you're tuned into Queering the Air on 3CR Community Radio. Um, that previous track was Here's Something by June Jones. I'm Iris here with Tracy and Logan. Mm-hmm. So, Logan, could you just tell us a bit more about your awards? 
<laughs> I have I've noticed that in 2014 you won three awards. Oh, shit. That is amazing. Just going to my website there. You don't even remember. Like you've lost count of all these things. <laughs> wow. Oh yeah, that was for yeah that was for films I did back at film school. Yeah. Mm. They were quite um, yeah, very dramatic, short documentaries. So one of them was about a sexual assault survivor, um, surprisingly enough. And, yeah, it was very about someone who was a, she was a religious pastor and then she had this horrible experience that had happened to her. Um, so I was just looking at that and about forgiveness in religion. Yeah. First so. and foremost, you have an award for me, okay? <laughs> anyway, um, you are going to get an award for this one. We're all in this together. Oh, Trust you. me. <laughs> so, um, in 2011, that was your first um, documentary, right? Yeah. So, that was my first documentary. I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. Um, so, I'd studied film school for all of a year at TAFE. Um, decided I could probably learn more if I just had to go myself. And I'd never been on a big overseas trip before. So, I bought a camera, uh, went to Eastern Europe for a year, and then made a film about gay rights... Uh, a feature film about gay rights in Eastern Europe called East Block Love. Um, it's pretty good considering I went over, had no idea how to use a camera really or sound equipment or anything. Um, and then somehow found myself in Belarus as I had their first uh, Pride March in the country, um, yeah. which was amazing. I spent a few weeks with these activists, living with these activists, you know, some of uh, whom are still my close friends today. Yeah. Um, it was amazing, yeah. So it's quite. I was in my early twenties. And you won an award too. <laughs> yeah, I won an award for that. It was good. It was. It was a good. Uh, I was just very happy that something good came out of yeah, that. Like I managed to, to make a good film, considering I didn't know what I was doing, but it played quite well around the world, and uh, played on television in a few spots. So. Yeah, that's was, like your first baby. Yeah, it was my first baby. It's still yeah. my, my most my proudest achievement. Yeah, um, it was a it was a very yeah. It took about two years, a year to shoot, and then a year to edit. And put together and it was mm. all like a big learning experience pretty much was my film school oh, okay. um, doing that so that's that's a big tip if you ever want to get into the film industry just make something <laughs> yeah okay and it's actually also like the longest um documentary stroke maybe film you've made it is i don't know what it is i, I went off of a bang making my first feature when i was only 24 so uh i think it's time i, I need to probably do another one soon i've just been making a lot of shorts along yeah. the way Okay. I think I just need to find something, uh, you know, that will a story good enough that will hold itself for a whole hour. But I ah. think I'm planning to make some longer stuff next year. I'm going to start getting back into long form stuff. I think I'm ready now. Okay. <laughs> but Don't short put... films are so fun though, because you get yeah. to make, you get to do a lot of different stories and meet a lot of people in mm. a short amount of time, which is which is kind of cool. Wow, I can't wait. <laughs> First of all, I'm going to be part of the <laughs> that movie. <laughs> I know this. So, um. Yeah, um, it was really good to meet you and show you to the world. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, so how do people follow you or find you on social media and oh, things like that? That's a good question. So on um, Instagram, uh, just like, I think you find the handles and all that. Just go Logan Muka or one word, L-O-G-A-N-M-U-C-H-A. Weird name, I know. Um, find me on Instagram or just go to my website, loganmuka.com. Um, and hit me up, have a chat. Love to chat with people. If you've got a good yeah. idea for a film or you think you're interesting enough to have a film made about you, <laughs> give me a buzz. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Okay. Cool. I just followed you, by the way, on Facebook. Oh, thank you. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're almost at the end of our show today on Crewing the Air. Um, I just have a couple of things to 
shout out to um, there is infinite the cutie pot queer trans indigenous people of color intersex um, exhibition at Loot Project Space and Bar um, until the I think it ends when does it end it ends um, yeah it's been running for a while it ends next month I think so that, that's so check that out um, another thing that's happening is Mama Alto is having the holiday special um, Je- De- I've, I've been to Mama Alto's holiday special so I recommend going um, she sort of vanquishes the unholy trinity of the silly season oppression, repress- oppression, repression and depression um, I think a bunch of them are sold out but I think the Saturday night one Hairs and Hyenas is still not sold out, so you might want to check that out on Mama Alto's Facebook page. Um, another thing that's happened on the week, there's there's a rally in opposition to um, constel- constitutional recognition being held by Lydia Thorpe, so check out Lydia Thorpe's Facebook page. That's on Wednesday at 6pm. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. You can get in contact with us you can get in contact with us at queeringtheair at gmail.com or on Twitter and Facebook. Mm-hmm. Up next is Hip Sister Hop. And this track is Burned by Race Rage. Merry Christmas. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.